Welcome to the ECU Baptist Church Teaching Podcast. We're teaching through a series here on Wednesday nights through the book of Ephesians to help us implement strategies and concepts to really further the kingdom through our local church. We hope you'll enjoy. If you got your Bible, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians. Alright? So the book of Ephesians, and we're going to find us... Y'all remember what it's called? I, I mean, I, I just said it like 20 minutes ago. What are we gonna What are we gonna unravel tonight? A Kesher, not Kesha. For any, okay. There, there we go. Uh, but we're gonna unravel a Kesher tonight. And so our our Kesher uh, was really to be found. I'm gonna read verses uh, one through seven of chapter three for us really quick, and. If you're a note taker, just hit the highlights because we're going we're gonna to go down a rabbit trail. But once the rabbit trail ends, it will all come together. But as we get there, I'm going to lose you a couple times. I'm going to lose myself a couple times and we might lose our place a couple times. And Linda's face just said, what did we sign up for tonight? So let me, let me read verses 1 through 7 for us tonight, and then I will point out our Kesher as we go through it. Ephesians 3, picking up verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Remember, that's a reminder of where following Christ can get you. right? So don't think of it as out of place. It comes back into play at verse 14. But he threw it right there very specifically for a reason, I believe. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I had written briefly. Remember we unpacked the gospel, right? And that little nugget, that right there, could be considered a Kesher. But it more predominantly points us to other, Old, to other New Testament passages. Uh, and it says, when you read this... You can perceive my insight. Here begins our Kesher. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. And look, we went over the gospel, guys. So we're like, well, there's not a mystery of Christ, right? Like we know what he's about now, right? Crucified, resurrected. We got it. There's more. Which was not made known. Here we go. All right, everybody, look at me. Kesher. Right here, Kesher which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Kesher, but also we've got Paul pointing forward uh, to what will become a little bit later in the book of Ephesians called Apest, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So Paul's pointing forward and backward. Why? Because he's Paul and he can Okay, which has not been made known in other generations, it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. And remember, y'all, we were talking about last week, fighting words. You can't say that, Paul. Right? The, the Gentiles will never be our equal. They will never be our co-heir. And they're members of the same body. 
This is the point when, when Pharisees would, would quite literally rip their robes and spit. They're members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, again, pointing forward to Apes, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that tonight, Lord, we would follow, Lord, Your Word, and we would follow Your precepts, God, to know You more closely, to know You more personally, to know You more intimately, God, to, to pursue You in all areas of our lives. And I pray, God, that You would give us a wisdom and an insight from, from just reading Your Word, God, studying Your Word together as a family. We pray these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all ready? I would say buckle up, but like don't buckle up. If you buckle up, you're going to be too rigid. All right, so I need you. You can hold that spot if you'd like. You, don't, you won't necessarily need it as much. Uh, but you're going to flip in your Bible here to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 10. And then it again repeats uh, later in the chapter uh, at verse 27 and 28. But I want you to look really quick with me. And I'm going to start to, to unravel this Kesher. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And then again, verse 27, And He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Anybody notice a repeated word or phrase there? Son of man. Alright, now me and you know the whole picture. Right? So there's not, there is limited revelation to us, but in terms of what's going on here, we got a pretty broad spectrum of the revelation of, of who Jesus is. To the, the person at the time, and even the immediate reader, they kind of know who Jesus is, and they've heard, uh, they've heard maybe rumors or, or, or muttering or utterings of, of who Jesus is. But this term, especially for us, can be really foreign, right? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. <clears throat> now me and you are sitting here, and maybe you're not. Maybe you're just top-notch. Would it not appear kind of strange to you that He refers to Himself as Son of Man and not the Son of God? Right? Why? Because He's Jesus. We know who He is. But sometimes, a lot of times, Jesus used what is called perpetual knowledge. Me and you may know this more so in terms of a key for a cipher. Y'all, anybody ever tried to, to decode a cipher on the back of those cereal boxes? You know, you used to have to buy the one and it had the, the cipher on the back. You had to buy another one and it had the little, had the little lens you could see. Well, one of the most famous incidences in recent uh, of a cipher actually was a serial killer named the Zodiac, right? And there was a cipher. Uh, that he would use and he would send 
to the different newspapers in the immediate area. And it turns out like a fifth grade English teacher broke this thing. Why? Because a cipher can easily be broken if you have what is called the key. Okay? If you don't have the key, the cipher just seems like a lot of rambling. Everybody with me? Paul refers to it as a mystery of Christ. Uh, we, may know, we may think more, more as uh, unlocking the depth of Christ. And so if you're here on Sunday with those teachings, you know that I kind of gave you a nugget to begin that service. And I read for us uh, from the book of Daniel. Y'all remember that? And the book of Daniel, if you remember, has a very specific uh, pointing or inclination. And this, my friends, is called a Kesher. Now, some Keshers are are one-dimensional. In other words, the Kesher takes us here. This is all we needed. And to some, this would be as far as they would go or as far as they would need. For us, because we love Jesus and we understand the point and the, the method of the cross that led us ultimately to the resurrection, we want to know a little deeper. See, I'm going to be very honest with y'all. This might sound controversial, and I'm sorry, but follow through the completion of this, and it'll make a little more sense. We spend not more time, well, we spend more time, and we almost glorify the crucifixion, right? Can, can I break something in your mind really quick? Historians acknowledge the crucifixion. Hundreds of thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. Okay? That's not the, the necessarily the importance or significance of Jesus. The importance and significance of Jesus is what came after the crucifixion. And that's the part that I'll be honest, we don't spend enough time on. We, we, we don't spend enough time on the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection gave meaning and purpose to the crucifixion. In other words, Jesus was not like the hundreds of thousands of other people who were crucified, yet He didn't stay down. He didn't stay in the tomb. And so the, 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 the teaching of this begins to unfold here uh, in, in, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. And it says, I saw, this is Daniel in a prophetic vision that he has about one called the Son of Man, but it's about an eternal dominion. Everybody say that with me. Eternal dominion. What does that mean? It means He rules forever. I have to be careful how I unpack this because if I pull too tight, I'll just unravel the whole thing. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, where did Jesus come from? Heaven to earth, redeemed us, saved us, returned to heaven. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. I want to give it to you, but like i got to make you work for it. One like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, or from the ancient of days. Who do we think? Who would you think the ancient of days may be? God the Father. In other words, Christ Jesus, Son of Man, is sent on a rescue mission from 
God the Father. And he was presented before him. And to him was given, can't just get lost on the Son of Man part. Why? Because it's a weird phrase to our, our Western mind. But if you really get hung up there, you miss what comes next. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, and all languages should serve him. All right, time out for a second. Remember, the Jews have what is called limited revelation. Okay? So keep that in mind. You have a more full revelation of who Jesus is and what He did. But they have a limited revelation. So His dominion is an everlasting dominion. They think of Jesus as just Christos. Just an anointed one. What do you mean by that? What I mean is, they think of Him purely and simply as the one to save Israel from oppression of the Romans. And to think only of Jesus in that fashion is to miss the salvation of the world. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Alright. Now... In just a moment, without unraveling the whole string, I'm going to take you somewhere, and I'm going to begin to give you the key. Right? So this is a cipher for us right now, because we're still thinking, okay, we get it, because we have a uh, a more open revelation, but where's the Son of Man thing? That's the part I'm going to make you work for. But I have to first take you here, uh, in, in our Bible, uh, to Isaiah chapter 29, and I'm going to give you the key. I'm not going to explain how to use the key first. I'm just going to give you the key. In other words, uh, Isaiah is, is going to begin to point out that the, the people who God is so desperately pursuing here in the, in the desert, well, they're going to be the same selfish people they've always been. <laughs> in other words, God said, I'm coming here to save the world. And they said, uh, okay, we get it. You're here to save us. And God said, no, really. I'm going to send my son to save the world. And they said, okay, we get it. We, we get it. We get it. We're the world. And, and God has repeatedly told them through prophets, you stiff-necked people. You, what, in, in modern uh, colloquialism, they, they, you, you stubborn people. But follow this. But the multitude of your foreign foes shall be like small dust, and the multitude of the ruthless like passing chafe. And in an instant, suddenly, you'll be visited by the Lord of hosts, With thunder and an earthquake and great noise. Anybody read the old, anybody read the New Testament? Okay. With whirlwind and tempest and the flame of a devouring fire. And the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, and all that fight against her in her stronghold and distress her 
shall be like a dream, a vision of the night, as when a hungry man dreams, and behold, he is eating, and awakes with his hunger that is not satisfied. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and behold, he is drinking, and awakes faint with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. Alright, so the, this aerial term, this Mount Zion term, uh, Jerusalem and the Jews, that's who he's addressing here. He's saying, you guys, I love you. you. You have childlike behavior, so I have to remind you that I love you. But I'm, I, I am the God of all creation. Okay? He says, astonish yourselves, verse 9, astonish yourselves and be astonished. Blind yourselves and be blind. Does that sound like maybe something Jesus said? Be drunk but not with wine. Stagger but not with strong drink. For the Lord has poured out upon you a spirit of deep sleep. What, what was more important than, than the, the cross? The empty tomb. Yeah. The resurrection is very important, guys. And has closed your eyes, the prophets, and covered your heads, the seers. All right. So that begins to give you the key. I'm going I'm to go ahead and tell y'all Isaiah 29 is really the key to everything we're going to unlock tonight. Why? Because God works in a way that you have to be able to listen to the entirety of Scripture. What, what do I mean? You can't just pluck one thing, one verse, and, and try and do something with it, right? you, you got to look at Scripture as a whole. And when we are able to enjoy Scripture as a whole, we'll see a lot of promises that God has for us. And so, <clears throat> let me give you just a brief history of the, of the Old Testament. So you have... Anybody ever, y'all ever heard the phrase, the Tanakh? Nobody ever heard the Tanakh? Okay. So the Tanakh is just a, uh, a conjunction. It is three, uh, three Hebrew words put together. And so the Tanakh is the Torah, the Nevaim, and the Kedavim. Yeah, that got y'all excited. Some biblical Hebrew. Alright, the Torah, the first five books. Me and you know it as the Pentateuch. The, the, the books of Moses. The Nevaim, traditionally referred to as the prophets. The guys that Isaiah just prophesied about. A prophet was warning against prophets. Y'all see that? And the Ketuvim, this is the wisdom literature, or uh, what could be kind of thought of as also containing... Basically, the hymnal of the day. That would be the Proverbs and the Psalms. And so, Jesus refers to Himself as the Son of Man. Y'all remember that's where we started this thing, right? Is anybody thinking there's got to be something to that? This, is, this Jesus, so there's, this is not random. This is not random chance. There's a reason why he uses this. So in other words, in order, in order to, to get to that, we're going to have to go back to our key real quick. So in Isaiah 29, 
And he said, And the vision of all this has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. When men give it to one who can read, saying, Read this, he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. What Isaiah is prophesying is the fact that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jewish people will, will, will quite literally worship the Old Testament. But they won't be able to grasp the God that the Old Testament is prophesying. Right? They'll be so handcuffed to the law, they'll be so handcuffed to the prophecies that they like, the ones that they want to use to handcuff other people, that they won't see the Savior that will come and unlock everyone's chains of oppression. In other words, this past Sunday, uh, you, you guys remember, maybe you'll remember this, this phrase. It's verse 17 of Mark chapter 2. And when Jesus heard this, He said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. <clears throat> In other words, those who are self-righteous, that's not who I came for. It's the ones who know they need me. And just like Paul made everybody mad when he said, and Jesus came to unite everybody, this was Jesus laying it down and saying, I came to lay my life down for all. Not just all your bubble. When I say all, I mean cosmos, which is the whole world, all who would call upon Him. And He says, I came not to call the righteous, self-righteous, but the sinners. And I remember I told y'all, you could use that and refer to that. Some scholars refer to that as the gospel of Jesus. Right? That I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And notice that He doesn't say, I came not just to call the Jews. Right? He says, I came not to call the righteous, but those who know they're sick. Anybody ever go for a well check at the doctor? Does that not feel like the most pointless thing in the entire world? But it's useful. Why? Because it's preventative. Men, myself. <laughs> you, you, you follow up. That's, that is, the idea, that is the, uh, the, the idea of understanding that we are all... Let me break your heart, guys. We're all terminally ill. All of us. And we're all stacked up and fighting against this thing called death. And if you know Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior, death is the best thing that can ever happen to you. Why? Because everything that we live for finds its resolution in that first breath on the other side of eternity. And for us left behind on this earth when we lose loved ones, it is a heartbreak. It is a devastation. Why? Because, remember, we talked about the tunnel vision we get. Where, I remember I told you all the kids refer to it as main character energy. They got main character energy. There are other things they call it, but that we'll just go with the main character energy one. And so Isaiah says, and there's going to be those who can very clearly read. In other words... The Jews should be the ones that get it. And yet they're going to say, I can't read it. 
Why? Because I don't want to read it. Because I live a life of inclusivity. And if I have to acknowledge that God is God, then I'm not God. That's a big fact check that has to happen in everybody's life. And until you realize you are not God, then you don't know God. And when they can give the book to the one who cannot read, saying, read this, he says, I cannot read. And the Lord said, because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their... Y'all, you could see this one coming directly from the mouth of Jesus. And the Lord said, which makes you wonder, which member of the Godhead delivered this prophecy to? Isaiah. Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. <gasps> we pulled, we pulled, y'all. You feel the string coming undone? Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, and with wonder. Ah, I just clicked on something. And with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. <gasps> Yeah, the Pharisees really wouldn't have liked that one. Good thing they weren't around for that one, huh? And the discernment of the discerning men shall be hidden. In the New Testament, that is how we refer to someone as Raka. Y'all want to try that one? Raka. You just call somebody a fool. <laughs> but it's okay right there because God's the one that said... And that's foolish to think that you are the God of this world. Ah, you hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? Oh, God said, hey, hey guys, God said, I'm God and you're not. And the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me, or the thing formed say of Him who formed it. He has no understanding. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus came. The one who was there at the creation of it all, the one who all of it pointed to, came in the flesh and they said, Who are you supposed to be? How do you disobey the Sabbath? How do you help the leper? Why do you hang out with the tax collector and the sinners? Jesus, of course, says you got to think a little bigger. And this now unravels now that we have the key. Now that we have unlocked and seen. Remember Paul refers to it as the mystery of Christ. And Christ uses the phrase very specifically, Son of Man. And then we find in Isaiah, and there's other ones. This one is just a key. There are other keys. But Isaiah 
has prophesied long before. They're going to close their minds to the Lord. They're going to close their, their, quite literally, the borders of their heart. They're going to try and keep other people out. They're going to miss salvation when it comes knocking at their door. And so, now I've got to show you why Jesus uses the phrase Son of Man and not Son of God. What did, what did Daniel say? The Son of Man will come and have an eternal kingdom. And so we know that Mark 2 points us to Daniel 7, but Daniel 7's got to be pointing us somewhere. Let me take y'all back to a place you may be familiar with. It's called the book of Genesis. I have to be easy here because this is the, when I pull this one, it all comes apart. When I pull this thread, the whole thing makes sense. So I got to make you want it until the last minute. Right? If I don't make you want it, you'll tune out. And we're, we're going to keep working backwards to the beginning. Does that make sense to everybody? We're going to keep working from, from that way, this way. <coughs> and so you may be familiar, I'm going to point this out to you, and then we're going to keep going backwards, of a story of a guy, of two guys, named Cain and Abel. Y'all familiar? <coughs> so with this story of Cain and Abel, Back in Isaiah 29.4, if you'll remember, he said, And you will be brought low from the earth you shall speak. That seems just kind of strange, doesn't it? And from the earth or from dust you shall speak. And from the dust your speech will be bowed down and your voice shall come from the ground like the voice of a ghost, and from the dust your speech shall whisper. Isaiah is saying the blood of innocence is in the dirt. And the blood of innocence will, will, will cry out. And what is beautiful is it both points backwards and forwards. I want to tell you, I'll unpack it at the end. Genesis 4, verses 8 through 11. You're familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. So Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, <clears throat> it's never a good idea to, to be a smarty pants to God, just, just so we're all together. I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And that should sound kind of familiar, the, the way that he worded and phrased this. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. 
Isaiah says they're going to just close their mind to the Lord. But even when they attempt to close their mind from, to, the, to the Lord, the, the innocent blood will cry out from the dust. Jesus says when He is approached on His way to passion, they say, tell your followers to stop praising you. You remember what He says? If I tell them to, to be quiet, paraphrase here, if I tell them to be quiet, the stones or the dust will shout out in praise. Again, a Kesher. And now, you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood or the innocence of your brother from your hand. I'm going to tell you all this really quick. You ever wondered, like, Abel gets this short little part and you're just like, what in the world? This poor guy. We don't know how long he actually lived because the beautiful thing about Genesis is up until we get to the patriarchs, they really don't give us time frames. This could have been an old man, could have been a young guy. But Abel serves as the first embodiment of the sacrifice of Christ. He dies at the hands, his innocence dies at the hands of his brothers or of his brother. Much like Jesus is innocent and dies at the hands of his brother. Son of man. Okay, keep holding on. You're almost there. And I, I, as soon as I give it to you, the whole thing makes sense. But let's turn back one page in your Bible and you're going to go, This idea of cursed ground sounds so familiar to me. We know of in the garden this thing called the fall. I'm going to work backwards because, of course, we're going to keep unpacking this thing. In verse 17 of Genesis 3, we see, And to Adam, he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. The one rule... And you broke it. Cursed is the ground. Because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Hold on to that. Y'all got it? Cursed is the ground. What happened with Cain? What did God tell Cain? Cursed is the ground. The voice of innocent blood, quite literally, yells out from the dust. Jesus says, if I tell them to be quiet, the stones, the dust, will shout praise. So just a little bit further back, what led us to the curse? Now the serpent... was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say deception? He tries deception first. Remember that, y'all. So most often when, when, the, when the devil or the Satan and his band of nappy-chinned 
followers want you to fall away into sin, they start first typically by deceiving you, making you twist the words of God, making you misrepresent the words of God. Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said, that's pretty much the only rule that He gave us. No, He says, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Alright, watch this, watch this. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Everything else is fair game. Everything else, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything. It's just there for you to live, Wally would say, to worship God. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Alright, we tried deception. Let's just lie. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And in fact, though, he was right. She didn't physically die. But spiritually and emotionally, and in distance from God, we all died in that moment. In that moment, right here, a terminal illness comes onto all of our bodies. Beautiful thing here, guys. It's hereditary. If you're born, you got it. And just a little bit further back, i got to remind you what the promise of God was. And I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to give you the, the rest of the key. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Jesus came in the what representation, the physical representation of man in our image after our likeness, but who was man actually? The image bearer of God. So two things here. When he says he's the son of man, he's also saying he's the son of God. After our likeness and let them have dominion. Important word. What did Jesus have eternal? Dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created Him. Imago Dei. Son of man. But there's more. Oh, just wait a second. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Alright, now you understand what the Son of Man is. You even know who the Son of Man is. But you're still thinking a little bit in your head, why that phrase? The Hebrew word for man, anybody know? Adam. (gasps) 
Son of Man, Adam, the first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. He is, as we know, the greater Adam. What did I tell you guys? What is Abel? The first representation of. And guess what? Guess who Abel is? He is literally the son of Adam or the son of man. If you held on for the whole ride, Jesus is literally when he uses this phrase, he is, is echoing all of Scripture. When he says he's the son of man, he's saying I'm the completion of all this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, as He says in the book of Revelation. I am the completion, Son of Man. Let me pray for us, guys. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful tonight, Lord, to be able to study Your Word, to be able to pursue You, to commit Your Word to our hearts, God, to commit Your Word to, to our, our minds, Lord, that all that we are would be in tune with all that You are, God. And I just pray, Lord, that You would break our hearts for the things that break Yours. God, I pray that we would be hungry, we would be thirsty, God, to see Your righteousness in this earth, to see Your righteousness in Belton as it is in heaven. In Anderson as it is in heaven. In Greenville as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. God, and I just pray that we would be representations of Yourself on this earth, God. That we, Lord, would once again in Your completion, God, just surrender to Your Son and see dominion over this earth once again. I pray, God, that You would give us a heart and a flame that's set ablaze and set anew on You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.